0: All right, so apparently, if you demand that a video game company pay you for using your own content, they can sue you. For July 28, 2023, this is Let's Play Daily Gaming News. Hey, what's going on? My name's Nate Bender, and welcome to Let's Play, a daily gaming news podcast where we run down everything you need to know from the gaming world in about five minutes. I sincerely apologize about Thursday's show and how late this show is. We've had some really bad storms roll through Detroit on Wednesday, and I've only just now got my internet back. Coming up, CD Projekt Red is laying off 9% of its staff, Belgium opens a tax shelter for video game developers, and we'll check out the week that was in video game news with the Friday Replay. Earlier this week, Activision Blizzard filed two declaratory judgment actions against prolific music critic Anthony Fantano. This is due to Fantano demanding that Activision Blizzard pay him for the commercial use of his likeness, because Activision Blizzard, a while back, promoted the Crash Bandicoot sneakers using one of Fantano's 19-second TikTok sounds. Activision Blizzard used the sound commercially without contacting Fantano. That prompted him to demand a payment of some kind, which Fantano hasn't publicly disclosed. However, Activision Blizzard set the rumor in motion that Fantano demanded a six-figure payment. That rumor was published in a Rolling Stone fluff piece for Activision Blizzard, which paints Fantano as some greedy music critic who is picking and choosing how he protects his intellectual property, despite the fact that Activision Blizzard violated Fantano's rights of publicity. For those unaware, Publicity rights give you the explicit right to license your own identity for commercial promotion, meaning Activision Blizzard has to secure in writing the copyright owner's permission to use any copyrighted material in ads and promotion, meaning Activision Blizzard has to secure in writing the copyright owner's permission to use any copyrighted materials in ads and promotion. Now, unlike a normal lawsuit, declaratory judgment actions permit a party to seek a court judgment that defines the party's rights before an injury occurs. In this particular case, Activision Blizzard is arguing that since Fantano's 19-second meme has been used over 54,000 times in other TikTok videos that their use was within their rights, despite the fact that 99% of the uses of Fantano's meme was for personal use not for commercial use now what activision blizzard is doing here is trying to legally prevent anthony fantano from protecting his intellectual property just because the 72 billion dollar company couldn't be bothered to pay a license fee yet activision blizzard can pay lawyers to undermine the rights of individuals that they steal from The video game industry is continuing to downsize despite record profits across the board. This time around, CD Projekt Red announced earlier this week that they would be laying off around 10 percent of their total workforce, which affects roughly 100 people out of the estimated 1,000 that work at the studio conglomerate. CEO of CD Projekt Red, Adam Kaczynski, attributed these layoffs to being, quote, overstaffed. Kaczynski elaborates further, stating that the most affected employees will be let go in quarter one of 2024, giving those affected around six months to prepare for the layoff. Kaczynski's statement finishes by going over that each affected employee will also receive a, quote, comprehensive severance package. However, Kaczynski never explains the severances and support that CD Projekt Red is supposedly offering to former employees. Now, this is the third round of layoffs for CD Projekt Red this year. Back in May, CDPR laid off around 30 employees after re-scoping the Witcher spin-off game Project Sirius. And also in May, CDPR announced the closure of the Gwent card team, which resulted in another 30 being laid off. Overall, it seems that CD Project Red is approaching these layoffs better than most. However, I feel that CD Project Red is only issuing these layoffs to try to continue their upward trend in profits. Last year, CD Project Red took home $81 million in net profit, their second most profitable year in the company's 30 years of making video games. So, I find it safe to assume that the CDPR executive team is cutting labor to push 2023's net profits up, especially when you figure that CDPR is launching Cyberpunk 2077's DLC, The Phantom Liberty, in December. In tax news this week, that's a new one, Belgium has officially expanded its tax shelter programs for traditional media to video game development. With this new tax shelter, the Belgium government will now be financing game development. Game developers will need to meet certain criteria to qualify for this tax shelter. The criteria, however, has yet to be determined. Though this tax shelter expansion to video games will work like its traditional media counterpart, the Belgian government offers a tax and risk-free security to investors, which is called a tax shelter certificate. The investor gains a guaranteed return on their investment, which is all tax-exempt. The money made off selling tax shelter certificates are then used to finance creative projects. If a project meets the criteria, the Belgian government will finance up to 27.2% of the qualifying expenses of the project. Overall tax incentive changes like these are pretty significant because it stimulates growth in the video game industry, all while keeping investors happy by mitigating the risks associated with investing in creative projects. It also helps Belgium's economy out, too, with a constant flow of money that isn't stagnating at the top because a lot of these projects funded by these tax shelters are small independent productions. So, given all of these positives, Belgium will start to become a significant player in the video game industry outside of loot box legislation. All right, well, it's Friday, so let's check out a podcast review. This one comes to us from Apple Podcasts from number one pack fan who left a five-star review number one pack fan says great podcast the only negative thing i have to say about this podcast is that i wish it were longer i enjoy getting a daily dose of what's going on in the gaming world and nate is the perfect guy to deliver it oh thank you i've been a fan of nate since discovering him on checkpoint radio some years ago whether i agree or not i always appreciate nate's perspective on things i definitely recommend this thank you so much number one pack fan Everyone else, I want to encourage you to be just like number one pack fan and head on over to your podcast platform of choice, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Edit, CastBox, Podchaser, or even just Amazon.com and leave us a review. We'll read it here on Fridays on the show. All right, there's still a couple of hours left in Friday, so let's check out some of the biggest stories from this week in gaming with the Friday Replay. On July 18th, Blizzard released their first major patch for Diablo 4. Players were expecting major balance changes that would lead into the first season of Diablo 4, with most expecting buffs to undertune classes and boosts to underperforming gear. Well, Blizzard didn't do any of that. What they did was nerf every class in the game. On top of class nerfs, they also reduced EXP gains for most events. Blizzard even went as far as nerfing vulnerability damage, the one status effect in Diablo 4 that's Scales. All Blizzard accomplished with this patch is making players feel less powerful than they were before the patch. However, there was still some copium going on in the Diablo 4 player base because there was a glimmer of hope that Diablo 4's seasonal gimmick would restore the power that was taken. And unsurprisingly, on the 20th, Blizzard didn't deliver, with the malignant gimmick of Season 1 amounting to a very small pool of new legendary powers. Legendary powers that don't make up for the power lost in the massive nerfs. All of this leads to last Friday, when Blizzard held an emergency campfire chat to address the massive backlash. Blizzard developers acknowledged that players were mad but continued to justify taking away their power, explaining that they were essentially trying to prevent players from mid-maxing and wanted to encourage different builds and play styles. However, the Blizzard developers did ultimately apologize for the patch and said that they're focusing on reworking how they quote implement changes in the future though that doesn't address the fundamental issues at play here Blizzard made Diablo 4 intentionally worse to sell the seasonal battle pass and didn't make the seasonal stuff good enough, mimicking the same development cycle that Overwatch did when it introduced Rank Play in 2018 so I have my doubts that Diablo 4 will fare much better given how poorly this first season has started. In more Diablo 4 news, Diablo 4 devs are finally taking heat for their manipulative menu design to scam people into buying the Season 1 Battle Pass. In Diablo 4, the Battle Pass Purchase screen and the Seasonal Objectives list are on the same page, with the button to pop out the Seasonal Objectives sitting just above the one-click purchase button for the Battle Pass, which has led to many people accidentally misclicking and activating the Premium Battle Pass. Following some social media backlash, Diablo 4 devs are looking to address this issue in an upcoming patch. Diablo 4's community manager Adam Fletcher added that the team is looking to default the cursor on the Seasonal Objectives button instead of the Purchase Battle Pass button. Overall, it doesn't surprise me that Activision Blizzard would stoop this low to scam their player base, which has become Activision Blizzard's modus operandi for quite a while now. In social media news, God, I hope I never have to say those words again, Elon Musk took the time yesterday to rebrand Twitter to the AI-powered X, which sounds like a cyberpunk-inspired drug, but instead, it's just Elon Musk making Twitter more and more unusable. With the brand shift to X, Elon is also trying to remake Twitter into his one app for everything with an agenda that Elon has been trying to implement since he was a part of PayPal. Elon has described this app for everything as a dream to become the one app for audio, video, messaging, banking, services and shopping despite the fact that most major social media platforms haven't managed to group services that well. The closest application to be pretty much everything is WeChat, which is a Chinese app that users can utilize for a variety of things. Though WeChat's parent company Tencent was only able to achieve this app for everything after acquiring several other companies. And I highly doubt that Twitter has enough capital, employees or expertise to start offering other services. So at the end of the day, this rebranding of Twitter is just Elon Musk stroking his own ego, all while he continues to destroy a once very valuable resource for journalism and activism. The Entertainment Software Ratings Board, or ESRB, filed with the Federal Trade Commission about some newish technology. I say newish because the ESRB is trying to get approval from the FTC on facial recognition software. The software in question is called the Privacy Protective Facial Age Estimation. Like the name suggests, this facial recognition software will be used to estimate someone's age. This facial recognition software echoes similar systems in the People's Republic of China, who use this type of software to spy on their citizens and prevent children from playing video games. The ESRB made the facial recognition software in partnership with digital identity firm Yoti, along with Epic Games' subsidiary and software company Super Awesome the ESRB broke down how the facial recognition software would work, stating that users would take a selfie of themselves, and in less than a second the selfie would be uploaded to two systems, one by Super Awesome to check if the selfie contains a human being, and the second one being Yoti, whose backend servers will determine the person's age. The ESRB claims that the selfie is then deleted permanently. The ESRB continued to explain in their filing that this new facial recognition software is just the next step in the evolution of age verification, despite there really not being a need for this. When we're putting more engineering dollars into keeping kids away from video games as opposed to, I don't know, something like guns, then we've completely lost perspective. At the end of the day, though, the FTC is taking comments from the public on this new filing from the ESRB. And hopefully, there will be enough of a public backlash about this that it causes the FTC to block the ESRB's plans to become the gaming industry's big brother. All right, well, that's it for today's episode of Let's Play. Make sure you subscribe so you can come back on Monday hopefully if there aren't any more storms, for even more video game news. Follow us on TikTok at Let's Play Gaming News and leave us a podcast review on Apple Podcasts, Audible, Podcast Addict, CastBox, Podchaser, and Amazon. Story selection and writing by Aaron Pillen. You can follow him on Twitter at Lloyd RNG. You can follow me on Twitter at Nate Benderama and catch me streaming on Twitch at twitch.tv slash limit break radio. My name's Nate Bender. Keep listening. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.